Do you ever find yourself repeating unhealthy patterns or habits and stop to wonder why? Welcome back to the Therapy for Real Life podcast. This is not therapy, this is real life. I'm your host, Anna Lindbergh Cedar, and today we are going to talk about how to break unhealthy patterns with dialectical behavior therapies concept of chain analysis. And we're keeping in mind that this is not therapy. So we are taking some ideas from dialectical behavior therapy and thinking through how can we adapt these into self-care strategies. So today I'm going to walk you through one of the foundations of dialectical behavior therapy, which includes the chain analysis. And if you are in therapy with a dialectical behavior therapy therapist like myself, you will become familiar to the idea of the chain analysis because it's very central um, to all the research that backs up uh, dialectical behavior therapy. And it actually points to the type of therapy or the class of therapy that DBT is part of. What makes DBT different, and we'll talk about this as we look at the skill, the self-care skill of chain analysis, what makes DBT different is it takes a functional approach to self-care. This is important because when we look at the evolution of therapy over time, it really began with talk therapy. And the idea behind talk therapy or insight-oriented therapy is that you will talk about your problems and eventually you'll have good ideas about how to um, understand them and make sense of them. Those are the, the insights that you're making in insight-oriented therapy. That was the first wave of therapy that we had. Um, and then we started pulling together more and more research and backing up therapy with methods that are grounded in um, the scientific method and proven to work. And that's when cognitive behavioral therapy was born. And we found that there's a rich body of evidence that shows that how you think about things influences your mood and how you feel about it. And cognitive behavioral therapy showed that Actually, if you change the way you think about things, you will change your mood. And here comes dialectical behavior therapy in a class of therapies that is known as the third wave of therapy. And the third wave is hinting at the fact that there's a whole new class of therapies that doesn't focus as much on the talking part of it, um, includes a little bit of the cognitive coping part of it, but it's really grounded in this idea that your actions have a tremendous impact on your mood. And so if you want to change the way that you feel, you're going to have to change your behaviors. And that means taking a look at what works for you and what doesn't. So this is really cool because dialectical behavior therapy really emphasizes the functional 
nature of self-care. And as part of that process, what, what focusing on, on what's functional, what we mean by that is what works and what doesn't, it opens you up to be totally non-judgmental in your approach to self-care. And this tool will teach us how to be non-judgmental uh, about making changes in our lives by, by really focusing on what works and what doesn't. So let's dive into the chain analysis and look at how that tool might help us. Basically, what a chain analysis is, it's a tool that will help you look at your habits and get more information about why they are habits, why they are so sticky in the first place. And the chain analysis tool can both be used as a form of problem analysis. If you have a kind of a bad habit that you keep doing over and over again, this process will help you understand why it's a problem. And then eventually, uh, the better you get at using this tool, you can also turn the chain analysis into a solution analysis, which helps you figure out what is working well with your self-care and how it's working so well. If you get a really good night's sleep and tend to struggle with insomnia, a chain analysis might help you figure out, ooh, what made that night of sleep so good. So when people will say something like, oh, you know me, I go to zero, you know, from zero to 60 in two seconds flat, this tool, the reason it's called a chain, is we're gonna look at each of those steps one by one and slow it down. So even though the experience feels like zero to 60, we're gonna look at actually when you go through the whole process, what does zero, one, two, three, four, all the way up to 60 actually look like? You may need to pixelate that experience to understand it better. So let's do that. And if you're following along, if you are um, doing dialectical behavior therapy or learning about it, you're probably reading the book DBT Skills Training Handouts and Worksheets. And if you open to page 20, you're going to see an example of the chain analysis. If you're following along at home and you don't have that book, you could also just Google image search DBT chain analysis and you're going to find a whole bunch of visuals. And if you don't even have that at your disposal, I'm gonna ask you to just imagine the steps that I'm gonna walk you through right now. And it might help you to even draw on a piece of paper to follow along a little chain to help you keep track of what we're talking about. Okay, now that you're ready to dive in and learn how to use the chain analysis tool as part of your self-care, I'm going to ask that you pause the podcast and get a piece of paper out so that I can help you draw a visual 
to help you think through the steps in the chain analysis. I'll walk you through a general overview so that you know where we're going, and then I'll explain each and every step in the chain analysis that you can then practice as a way of looking at your habits, whether you think of them as good or bad, and look at each of their component parts to help you decide whether they're healthy for you or not. So on that piece of paper, you're gonna start out by drawing a little chain of circles, of overlapping circles, or you could think of these as like dominoes in a chain of dominoes. And you are going to draw nine circles in a row. And I'm gonna help you label each one so that you know what we're gonna look at. That first circle is called vulnerability factors. Right next to that will be the prompting event or trigger. And the next three little links in that chain, these will be links. And we will eventually fill in these links um, with information about little actions or thoughts or impulses that happen between the trigger that we're gonna take a look at and what we eventually decide is the problem behavior that you decide to look at. You're gonna define what that means in non-judgmental terms and we're gonna look at that in depth. And after, after those links, those three little links, that there comes the problem behavior and after that, you're going to see three more little links. And this is where you will fill in the positive and negative consequences that come out of your problem behavior. So each of these steps will be important. And step one, you're gonna describe the problem behavior and then go back and describe the prompting event that started the whole chain of events in the first place. You'll look at the vulnerability factors that set you up to respond to that prompting event in a certain kind of way. You'll evaluate your own chain of responses that eventually led to what you decide to call a problem behavior. And after that, you're gonna look at the the consequences that came from that problem behavior and decide whether those overall consequences ended up being what you want. And this skill, as we look at it in depth, will help you decide uh, where there are opportunities for more skillful behavior and to plan a better response and maybe even kind of clean up your messes if uh, you do identify examples of problem behavior. So now that you have this blank worksheet in front of you, you have all of those little circles, let's look at how to fill in each one. So the first thing we have to do when we want to look at unhealthy habits or behaviors is just to find what we mean by that. And part of what we're doing is we practice that non-judgmental 
approach to self-care and thinking through what works and what doesn't starts here because you get to define what the problem is. And I want you to personalize this. So, you know, if you're tempted to tell me something like, oh, the problem was I texted my ex back and made plans to hang out. Um, or you might tell me, well, actually that wasn't the problem. The problem was I really should have deleted their number from my phone in the first place because I told myself I would and I didn't. And I knew that if they texted me, it would be hard to say no. So even those two different problems, replying back to someone you wish you wouldn't or even not doing something you said you would do by taking their number out of your phone. You could pick uh, either one of those and you might actually get um, different, different information back. So the first step is just to describe the problem as specifically as possible. And you're identifying your part in this. So what did you say that was problematic? What did you do? Um, what about it was the problem? Is there something you could have done that you didn't do? Is there something you wish you had known that you didn't know? Uh, was there a way that you reacted out of proportion? You get to define the problem behavior. That's where we start. The next thing you're going to do as you try to figure out how you got there in the first place is to think about, okay, what was the trigger? What was the prompting event that set off this whole chain of events, right? So let's say... Um, Let's just think out loud here. Let's say I have a problem behavior of overreacting to a customer service representative who's telling me there's an error on the bill, right? And let's say the problem is, and I call it a problem because I said so, is you know that I think I um, used a, you know, a, a tone that was not very friendly, or um, I talked to that person in a way that didn't make their job any easier as they were trying to convey their information. Um, or maybe I had an attitude of acting like it was their fault, um, even though it was an error um, and somebody else's mistake. So my problem might be overreacting in that situation and being kind of huffy. So in that case, what's the trigger? What's the prompting event? I would say just the phone call itself. You know, the person calling me um, and letting me know that information. That's a trigger. And the next step in thinking through these patterns of unhealthy behaviors is defining, okay, before that trigger even came along, what made you vulnerable to that trigger? Was there anything physically going on? 
Were you sleep deprived? Is there anything in your immediate history that made you more vulnerable to that trigger? Or is there anything uh, in, you know, going back historically even to your childhood or role models you've had or um, other things that set you up? So for me, let's think this through. If I overreacted um, to someone on, you know, customer service, I would want to ask myself, you know, have I eaten that day? Did I sleep well? Was I grumpy for some other reason? Those could all be vulnerability factors that, that set me up. And you have to identify that to know what, what set you up in that way. So we're starting to fill in this little chain. If we go back to that visual of um, those little overlapping circles, if you lay them out in a chain, we now have a better sense of the vulnerability factors that set you up in the first place, the triggering event that tipped this whole chain off, and what you're gonna do next, you're gonna define the links that take you from whatever that trigger was to the problem behavior. So something actually happens on a micro level, continuing with my example, between that phone call and my problematic behavior. And probably goes along, you know, something along the lines of this. Phone rings, someone tells me uh, there's some kind of financial mistake. I immediately feel um, hot in my body because my blood um, is probably circulating um, more quickly as part of my fight or flight response. And I'm even thinking some things like, this can't be right. I know that's not true. This is a mistake. How did this happen? Um, and I might even be thinking, it's not my fault. Um, and I'm noticing that I'm getting more and more upset. And I'm noticing um, some thoughts of anxiety and fear of what might happen. And the tension is building. Um, and I'm starting to ask uh, questions about how to resolve this and um, not liking the answers and I'm getting more and more frustrated. So I'm noticing that the thoughts that I'm having, those are part of the links in this particular chain. I was starting to worry that um, this problem wasn't gonna get resolved and I was getting upset and angry. And what we can see is that that um, manifested in that problem behavior and becoming really upset. So that's important to look at too. What are the things that um, exacerbated that, that feeling of frustration to the point that it got out of control? And the last thing you think through when you're doing a chain analysis, you have to think through what are the consequences of that problematic behavior. And this is really important. You wanna think through what are both the positives and negatives that came out of this situation. So in my case, I might um, use a you know hot and spicy tone with someone on the other end of the, the line, customer service, and you know what, if I do that, Maybe they pay attention. Maybe the supervisor gets on the line and they try to help me. 
sometimes you could imagine, you know, if someone throws a tantrum on customer service, they might even get the thing that they wanted. They might not. Um, but sometimes that really raises attention, kind of like squeaky wheel gets the oil. But you have to be inclusive when you look at the, the positives and negatives that come out of this. Um, so the fact that anything gets done more quickly or my request gets resolved, that actually teaches me a bad habit, doesn't it? So we have to look at how the environment responds. If I go into a customer service call kind of bossy um, and temper tantrumy, and if they give me what I want in that situation, that's really bad for learning good habits, isn't it? Um, and so we're starting to see that's actually what makes that behavior sticky. If this were a bad habit of mine, if I were doing this all, you know, all the time, it would almost make sense if, if you throw a tantrum and people give you what you want, that you wouldn't change your behavior. <clears throat> but we have to think holistically because probably a consequence that would come out of that situation is I would feel buckets of shame and embarrassment and guilt for ruining another person's day. So as we do this chain analysis, we're seeing, okay, um, that's why this one is a problem analysis because when we look at it, the fact that I wasn't able to control my mood or talk myself down really gets in the way of having a good interaction with some other human being who I don't even know, um, but that actually is an important value to me. So doing this chain analysis starts to teach me, okay, I have many opportunities to set myself up for success so that if a similar situation pops up, now I know what my vulnerability factors are. I need to just practice really good self-care in general so that I have, that's a good prevention strategy, make sure I've eaten, slept, had a good day in general. And then I know one of my triggers from this chain analysis is unexpected bad, especially financial news. That is something that is likely to set me off. And one of the things that's really hard about that kind of trigger is the fact that it is unexpected. You don't know when it's gonna happen. So some of the strategies you might brainstorm in a case like this would be, you know, what are things that I could do uh, to cool myself down in a moment of anxiety or panic? And that might include relaxation strategies or encouraging self-talk. You might even just give yourself a little bit of space. Um, that's called an assertive delay. So maybe I, in this situation, I could tell the customer service person, oh, you know, that's new information for me. Let me take a look at that and get back to you. Or if I've been waiting 20 minutes and I really need to talk to that person now because I don't know when the next time I'll um, get off the call, get on the call, I might even just pause and take an uncomfortably long uh, deep breath and just let the person wait a minute while I collect myself. And after having been in these situations enough times, I might 
have the confidence to tell myself, I don't know how it's going to work itself out right now, but I will find a way, right? Um, or I might remind myself of that really important value, you know, how you talk to this person matters and, um, you know, don't forget who you are in this moment. Something like that, right? And so what you do when you walk through these chain analysis, you will have to do more than one to see this. You will start to notice patterns. You will start to notice themes in terms of vulnerability factors, triggers, also the things that you can do or say to yourself that make the situation better or worse. So this is a learning tool that we can use to help ourselves better understand what our needs are. And I invite you to try this for yourself and do a little chain analysis on one of those sticky habits that you've been trying to do something about for a while and you feel stuck and you're not sure why. This is a good place to start. And the reason why the research is so powerful um, for chain analysis is because it's it's a scientific approach to self-care. This is a tool that will help, help you over-examine bad, bad habits. It's almost like if you look at them long enough, you'll just get bored of looking at them. And in fact, here's a little trick that therapists will sometimes use in session. You might notice this if you work with a DBT therapist is if anything gets in the way of the therapy process, let's say someone shows up five minutes late or 10 minutes late to a session, or they cancel at the last minute because uh, their life's in chaos and um, something came up that got in the way of therapy, your therapist might do a chain analysis and help you figure out what, what got in the way of you participating in therapy. Uh, and that's really important because if you can't even get into the room, how are you supposed to have really good conversations and, and make those insights and make that understanding? So it's kind of like an inside joke among DBT therapists that chain analysis can be a little bit like the stick in terms of the carrot and, and stick of motivation because um, you might find this for yourself. The more you look at a problem, you just get tired of looking at it and it has a natural tendency to start evolving into a solution. So try this technique out for yourself, take it home with you, see if you could try it on both a problem and a solution and see if you can't learn something new about yourself, right? I'm thinking of, um, you know, the example of the couple that has really terrible arguments, really passionate fights, but then they have really great makeout sessions after and they notice, oh, that's part of our pattern. I wonder if there's another way that we could be intimate and close without those horrible arguments beforehand. Maybe we can find a way to have passion 
and connection uh, with, without all of those, those triggers and, and problems. So keep in mind that this is a therapy tool that we're adapting into self-care, but of course, if you want that perspective that you get from another person, of course, this doesn't replace therapy. So consider this a tool that you can try out, see how it goes for you. And then if you're interested in learning more um, about therapy or dialectical behavior therapy, feel free to visit therapyforreallife.com where you'll find all kinds of therapy explainers, self-care resources, and access to information about the Therapy for Real Life counseling and burnout prevention consulting practice. Please remember that self-care is meant to be shared, so if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show wherever podcasts are found to give others better access to the show. Feel free to show, send the show to anyone with love by clicking the share button wherever you are listening. Thank you for listening. This is not therapy. This is real life. Enjoy your self-care. Did you know that Therapy for Real Life offers burnout prevention hackathons for the workplace? I'm your host, Annalyn Briggs-Cedar, and I'm happy to announce that Therapy for Real Life now comes to your workplace to offer therapy concepts adapted into self-care strategies that you can use on the job. As you know, Therapy for Real Life is a Bay Area-based burnout prevention counseling program. But now you don't have to participate in the therapy programs to learn what happens in therapy. If you're a listener of the Therapy for Real Life podcast, you know that I'm a big advocate of teaching people the strategies that work for them to manage stress, burnout, anxiety, and depression in their lives. Not everyone can make it to therapy. Managers and HR professionals are well aware that stress is at an all-time high in the workplace. Wouldn't you like to equip your staff with self-care strategies to help them manage stress on the job? Therapy for Real Life's burnout prevention hackathons give staff a fun and interactive way to learn research-backed self-care strategies on the job. As your facilitator, I will come in and present relaxation strategies, cognitive coping exercises, and examples of mindfulness that your staff can pick from and practice in the workshop to see what works best for them. Teach your staff and coworkers not only ways to take care of themselves on the job, but create that culture of self-care and teamwork together. Find out more about hosting a burnout prevention hackathon at your workplace by going to therapyforreallife.com and selecting the workshops page or emailing me directly at therapy at annacedar.com. That's therapy at A-N-N-A-C-E-D-A-R.com. I look forward to being in touch. Have a great day.